This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute, with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. I'm Michael Dvojek here with the record North Shore founding members, Joe Coughlin and Mario Carlino, as we have another summer episode of the Varsity for you guys. We'll get you updated on some summer events happening here as the summer uh, season comes to an end pretty quickly. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. But before we get started, just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you are checking in and are subscribing there. You can also give us a nice little review on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Android, what have you. We're all there. We're going to do a a three-period format for this week's episode in the podcast. The first period, we're just going to catch you up on some news. We actually had some breaking news happen. Um, a little bit before we start recording this podcast about mask mandates and how that will affect um, indoor sports in this upcoming fall season. We'll also give a Maggie Shea update um, in her quest in the Olympic Games. In the second period, we'll be joined by FC United head coach Andy Perry. Um, In the third period, we will do some early fall sports previews um, with golf starting up here in a week or two. Um, before we get started, guys, any uh, any Cubs thoughts that you guys want to share before we get things started, or is there not enough um, time to uh, get uh, all your guys' thoughts about uh, the past uh, week that was Cubs fandom? What an ambush. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know if we're emotionally ready for that conversation yet, yeah, but you, you weren't telling us you were going to bring that up, Michael. <laughs> all I, I just came all, prepared, you know. Yeah, all I have to say is that... Uh, I think what happened needed to happen. You know, that's, I'll, I'll leave it at that. However, emotionally tough it may be, I think it, it was the right um, pragmatic decision. I think that's silly, and we won't get into it though. <laughs> all right, there you go, folks. That's all we got on the Cubs in the first period. But um, why don't we get started by talking about the news uh, that just broke here on Wednesday afternoon? Um, Illinois Governor JD Pritzker just met with the media and he announced that. Um, masks are going to be required um, for students in the state of Illinois, K through 12. Um, And that's also going to um, involve high score indoor sports here up in this uh, upcoming fall season. So Joe, I know you were uh, paying attention to it. So what does that really mean for uh, the upcoming fall schedule? Well, as of right now, um, I think we've seen in the past things change on a dime, right? Um, You know, I, it seems like they need, they want, and when I say they, I mean state officials or the people that make these decisions uh, don't necessarily want masks, um, and they will they will turn it around when they get the data to, that shows they can. But right now, they the data according to them is showing that we need masks for indoor sports. So you're going to see volleyball players and swimming. We'll talk about in a second, but definitely volleyball players. There's not many indoor fall sports. Luckily, we usually have some pretty nice springs. Uh, falls here, even though half of them, you know, 
August and September, a lot of the competition is played. So under pretty warm weather. And then, of course, football and soccer are classic fall outdoor sports. So um, most of the competition is going to be outside. But the ones that are inside, um, you're going to see volleyball players wearing masks, you know, swimming, going back to that. Um, the other indoor sport, girls swimming for the fall. Um, last fall, what they did was they uh, they did virtual meets. So we'll see if those come back so they can spread out. Um, obviously, they're not going to wear masks underwater while they compete, um, I don't think, unless they've invented a really cool one for underwater that I don't know of. Maybe. Um, <laughs> but uh, maybe they go back to that or maybe they do what they um, or, you know, meets take longer because they're going to spread out the lanes and skip every other lane um, or swim in every other lane um, and just take off the mask just for that race and put it on uh, right up until and then right after. Um, I think that's what they did last year, except with virtual. Um, so we'll see where swimming goes with that, you know, um, but we'll see a lot of the, the volleyballers wearing those masks. And um, as we saw, you know, volleyball, boys volleyball did it in the spring, uh, we can do it. So we're gonna. Yeah, it seems like we're actually um, a little more prepared uh, this time around, as opposed to what we were dealing with last year of how do you do it and that kind of stuff. And um, it'll be really interesting to see how the swimming goes, because like you mentioned, um, they were doing virtual meets last year, but last year when they uh, did the sectional meets, they actually had them all in one uh, pool at the same time and all of them were just wearing masks. and um we're just uh, laying apart so um maybe they'll learn uh from that experience but i think that's the biggest difference between now and last year where we know much more than we did last year obviously people are more vaccinated and know um that kind of stuff so it seems like we're in a better position um than we were at this point last year when we were trying to figure out how are we going to do sports in the fall so we talked about this in a, a couple of weeks back it, I, I believe it was actually a way or no way question but you had asked us, Michael, if we thought that the fall season would be disrupted in any way um, or if there would be any cancellations uh, of games related to COVID-19. So I'm curious now a couple of weeks later just to see how both you guys are feeling about that and, and where things are standing for the fall season moving forward here. I think Joe said it best when he mentioned that things can change on a dime. And, you know, so often as we've seen throughout this pandemic that, uh, guidance and and how we go about uh, acting in certain situations have changed uh, very quickly so um, just wondering how you guys are feeling about that and where where you think we're headed for the fall season which now gets underway in, in less than a week yeah I mean that's a great point Marty I mean I think that you know there are pockets of uh, the state um, small some small pockets some larger pockets that are don't have large vaccination rates, you know? So I think it's, it's entirely plausible, if not, you know, uh, predictable that we're going to get some cancellations here of meets as teams test to try to play. And then they find out they have an outbreak. I think it's, you know, very likely in whatever sport that that's going to happen um, at, at some point. So as long as the flight of, of Delta variant continues uh to fly this strongly it's 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 a real bummer man um but i think that's why it's so important that you know everybody needs to be informed and it's not be informed once four weeks ago because it changes so fast so you know find the outlets you trust and just keep following up with them to do the due diligence for you and yours and then make the best decisions for your family but um 
it's so important to just keep updating with it because we are not in control of anything here. The virus is. Um, so we, we react to, to what the virus does and hopefully we can, we can stuff it out at some point, but we're just not there yet. Yeah, and I think that an interesting thing to look at with these cancellations is what is contact tracing going to look like now? Is it going to be what it was before where like if you were near that person, you're out or is it just like you're if you're vaccinated and you don't show symptoms and you're get a test and you're negative? Like what is that going to be? I think the contact tracing will be really interesting because um, obviously testing and vaccines are in there, too, or as opposed to in the in the past, it seemed like if you were even exposed, like you were just out, like you were not even going to be considered to be out there. So um, I do think it'll be really interesting to look at what the contact tracing is going to be like, where are you like, if you're exposed, are you automatically out? Or is there some leeway there where if you're able to show a negative test or if you don't show any symptoms and you're vaccinated, that you can continue to play? Yeah, that's a really great point, Michael. And that um, brings us back to something that we saw happen so often in the last, you know, six to eight months of sports that we had just experienced was that issue of team quarantines. Those were the situations where we ended up seeing games canceled, games postponed, because one or two positive tests on a team resulted in the entire team having to go into a two-week quarantine. I think we saw that with both of our city basketball teams at one point. We saw it with Nutrier Volleyball, boys volleyball at one point as well. Um, several teams throughout our coverage area had to deal with that last uh, in that hybrid spring season uh, last year. So moving forward, how they're going to address that is the is the big issue, I think. And something that came that was interesting that came out of the governor's press conference today was that he he did say that he would still be encouraging schools to test as frequently as possible. So uh, I know there have been some arguments out there from, from individuals suggesting that maybe you decrease the frequency in which testing is done at the school level, but it seems like the governor's office is still going to be pushing for schools to um, test as frequently as possible. Yeah. You know, Michael, like uh, Marty said, that was a great point. And I, Correct me, guys. I can't remember. I thought that I read somewhere, whether it was our reporting or another reputable outlet, saying that um, vaccinated contact tracing will be different. You know, if if you run into a vaccinated person who's not showing symptoms and vaccinated, you know, we've got a ton of data that shows ninety nine point what six percent, or is it ninety nine point nine six percent? Nine point nine three, whatever it is, over ninety nine percent of the folks, uh, it doesn't break through. So um, it's a very low percentage for it to break through a vaccine at this point, from what we know. So uh, I think they do change the contract tracing, but it is definitely worth keeping an eye out for. Yeah, and I think you are right, Joe. That that guidance definitely was amended, and I want to even say that at one point during the summer, some of our school districts had went as far as saying that. If you were vaccinated and did test positive for COVID and were asymptomatic, that you wouldn't even be required to to miss school for an extended period of time. Um, I don't I don't want to go on the record here and report what that exact time would be that you would have to miss. But I believe it was definitely not the the previous um 10 to 14 day period that would incur if you did test positive. I want to say it was even something as just like you had to maybe miss two days of school. So uh, 
something that was significantly decreased from the guidance that was in place last school year. So it'll be really interesting to see uh, what happens here. Obviously, it's an evolving story where um, obviously you, a month ago you saw the numbers, they were looking good, and we thought maybe this is the light of the end of the tunnel, but obviously things t- changed dramatically here. So we'll keep you guys up to date on the latest updates on all the latest uh, updates on mass mandates and how that affects schools and also um, how that is affecting sports. But um, a quick note just to finish up here, here in the first period, um, we had mentioned uh, Maggie Shea in a few episodes of the podcast, obviously at North Shore, um, a native who's competing in the Olympics in the sailing competition. Um, guys, I know that we have a story coming out uh, in the next couple of days or even the day on Thursday uh, soon, but um, where we catch up with Maggie Shea, who uh, left the Olympics for a uh, different, uh, for a uh, disqualification. And um, obviously maybe not exactly the uh, storybook uh, ending she was hoping for. And obviously a lot of her fans were hoping for as well. Yeah, it sounds tough. I, I, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm going to admit here that I don't understand what the hell happened. Um, and I think you guys might be in a similar boat, pardon the pun as me with that. <laughs> I did it. I did it. These are uh, choppy waters where <laughs> I can't. Okay, that's enough. But all right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it sounds like quite a bummer. It sounds like a lot of uh, misunderstandings and miscommunications and they didn't they weren't on the same. I'm going to say wavelength um, as their as the judges. So uh, it's somebody thinking- killed somebody killed Joe's microphone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, you know, we're going to have a breakdown for you tomorrow and hopefully a quote from Maggie. She says she's going to get back to us. So um, we'll get a little more insight there, but you know, biggest stage, uh, huge excitement as well as uh, hope. And uh, it just uh, was shattered really. Yeah. So we'll learn more about that. Make sure you guys are checking out the record northshore.org to check out the latest in that story to see what Maggie has to say after a, uh, a crazy Olympic Games for her and her sailing partner. But let's move on over now to the second period where we are joined by FC United head coach Andy Perry. He's the coach of the U20 team that won the national championship that we talked about in last week's episode of the podcast. Um, where are we going to hear uh, from uh, Coach uh, Perry Marty? Yeah, we get the chance to discuss what he described as just an incredible run to the national championship for that under 20 FC United team that we, we briefly discussed last week. But um, in this interview, we get a chance to discuss it a little bit uh, in more detail with uh, detailing their run throughout that tournament, which really started in, in early May at the state level to, uh, to make it that far to the point where you're playing in the, in the national championship in the final stages of that tournament it starts months before and you've got to make your way through the state. So um, he really talks about how the, how the club played throughout that journey and some of the key players who stepped out, who stepped up throughout that run. So really fun interview. All right, let's take a listen. Uh, To get things rolling here, coach, can you um, tell me a little bit about what you thought of the team's performance throughout the tournament? You know, not just uh, that final game there in the championship, but what do you think of the team's performance throughout the tournament? Um, they were great. I mean, and they they did everything we asked of them on and off the field, and that was um, that, that everybody thinks it's it's what goes on on the field that that dictates it. You know, at the end of the day, they were playing in incredibly hot temperatures, um, and as much as you know, it's it's warm and humid. 
around here this time of year is nothing compared to what they had to face. Their, their willingness to take on, you know, the advice, the coaching of how you can how you can maximise your performance in that sort of environment was was a huge factor in in everything they did. Um, obviously, tactically and, and soccer wise, the the boys are exceptional soccer players. They are. Um, it's the it's the little details that they really bought into. Um, off the field and you know in, in between in between games and just the the whole the whole aspect of being in that environment at, at that level at that intensity um it's testament to, to them and where they're at um individually and yeah we couldn't have asked for anything more from you know it, it really did end in the best possible way yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what do you think were some of the team's strengths throughout the tournament, Coach? Um, I know a little bit of what I saw and what I was reading just makes it seem that, um, you know, defensively just a great performance throughout. But uh, in your opinion, what were what were some of the strengths? I think, um, yeah, obviously, you know, you, you play your first two games and you don't give up a goal. Um, I think that their resiliency though at the same time I think in the third game we, we got our backs against the wall a little bit in the third game and um, at the last water break you know we, we laid a challenge down to them that they they had to figure it out and um, long story short we, we as coaches we were confident we were still going through um, there was with the tie breaking situation um, we we were managing the situation from that perspective and we were still confident we were going to go through. Um, but that being said, we laid the challenge down to them to to not lose the game and find a way to, to solve the problem um, with what was going wrong. And they did. Um, so I think, you know, if you... Their resiliency and their, their willingness to just stick to the plan and kind of, you know, dig in as a group um, I think it's it's only normal that you know players. I, I've stressed since, since day one with these boys that it, it was always going to take all twenty boys to get this, and we had players who maybe didn't play as much as others, but they scored some big time goals last week, and um, you know they came in and put a good shift in when we when we subbed them in and. A lot of the energy levels on the Saturday and Sunday came from those boys maybe who weren't playing, but their emotional support and their um, their cheering on from the sideline was, I mean, it, it, just a, an exceptional attitude um, to the whole team ethic. And like I said, they, they, it's just another example of them going above and beyond what, what we asked. Yeah, definitely sounds like a, a complete performance from top to bottom on the roster. And then in the in the national championship game itself, coach, what'd you see what'd you see from the team in that game? I know you, you jumped out with a two goal lead, but then they sort of punched back a little bit and scored one. Um, did that play to that resilience that you were talking about in your last answer, is still being able to, you know, take their best shot and then still move forward and, and finish off that win? Yeah, I mean we've we've experienced that sort of thing um, this season. Uh, we the regional final um, down in 
it all in a little bit of extra time and we, we had to we had to just dig in I think you know if you if you saw the game you know the, the boys were yeah we were hanging on a little bit but they also didn't overreact and I think that's a lot down to experiences that they that they had along the way through this whole journey because it's not a journey of just last week this has been going on since you know since the middle of May is when we start going on this this journey so um, lots of experiences contributing to to what happened on on Sunday and we were yeah I mean we we jumped out of a 2 zero lead but at that level it's never safe but our experience across the way I think got us got us through that yeah yeah absolutely and who were who were some of the big names and the big leaders who, who really stepped up throughout that journey for you guys coach yeah, I mean, obviously, Ryan Grady in goal, um, he's, you know, he's going to be a sophomore at Middlebury uh, next year, um, and he, he's, you know, he, he's great, you know, he, he's a big personality, um, you know, he's a big, good leader with, within the group, and, you know, the boys really um, follow his lead, so to speak, um, you know, our, our whole back line across the the board, you know, um, purely just from from the group that played Saturday and Sunday. I mean, we we had two boys who played Saturday and Sunday who were O threes. Um, one boy was an O two, and then Aiden Pake, who was also goes Middlebury. Um, he, he he always, you know, he's very steady head um, in the middle of the back there. Um, but you know, across the board, those those four boys really just set the foundation. Um, and you know, it's like the old saying goes, right? Defense, defense wins championships, and they <laughs> they they did they really did set the tone of what we wanted to do defensively. Um, and just just good performances, you know. And then through the middle, we have again a good mixture of younger boys, high school seniors and, and new career and, um, you know, experienced boys who have just finished their first year of college um, and, and similar thing in the attacking through the field. You know, Jake Kruger was, was a huge energy boost for us. Um, he, he worked tirelessly. Um, you know, Will Franzen creatively was, was excellent. And then, you know, you have James Payton, um, Quinn Ackland, kind of as your, your midfield anchor, so to speak, who really did um, just settle us down and control that area of the field. And like you said, the, the goal is just to use all your experience to manage the situations and, and that's show that resiliency, and, and they did. Thanks so much, uh, Coach Andrew Berry, for joining us. And thank you, as always, to all the players and coaches who join us every single week. Always good to get your guys' insight. All right, let's give a quick thanks to our sponsor, the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. Before we keep on moving here, they have many locations in the Chicago area, so make sure you check them out. Move better and live better. All right, guys, in the third period, we are going to talk about the fall season because as crazy as it might seem, August 9th is the start um, of the fall when uh, all the fall sports can start meeting and do tryouts and that kind of stuff. And actually, um, August 13th is the first uh, action where the girls' uh, golf team has a 
varsity invite happening. So uh, golf is uh, happening pretty quickly and the fall sports are coming here quickly, unfortunately, as the summer comes to an end. But um, obviously that's good for us as well as we look forward to uh, having some fun storylines in the um, in the in the fall. But um, since we're uh, doing this, why don't we talk about some of the things we're looking forward to um, this upcoming fall? And um, I feel like a good place to start would be actually the new Girls golf team, which obviously had a really strong uh, competition uh, last year, obviously winning a sectional title. Obviously, Audrey Kerr um, has graduated from the team. But um, guys, there are some uh, good golfers coming back, like we've talked about in past episodes of the podcast. Yeah, a lot of talent on this roster and there was last year and, and there, you know, um, a few seniors who have moved on, but, um, we got Amy bean blossom. Uh, I, be I believe her name's Amy. I'm sorry if it's not Amy, um, who's coming back as well as, um, the sickles. Um, so, uh, strong team with, with, you know, even though they're, they're underclassmen, I believe they went to state a couple of years ago. So with, um, postseason success and postseason experience, um, and who have been, um, who've been on top leaderboards all summer. We've seen from tweets from the Nutria golf account. So they've been winning tournaments, uh, across the state, I think in the Midwest. So, um, a lot of talent, I think we can still expect a lot. Yeah. And we talked about, it, um, last year when we discussed the team, um, you know, that one of the real unfortunate situations of not having postseason play for some of these fall sports last year was that we wouldn't get a chance to see what the team, the Nutria golf team could have done last year, because um, as we had discussed, it was a group that we thought was a state championship level caliber team and one that we thought really could have made some noise at the state tournament. So I'm wondering if heading into this year, obviously they have lost some key contributors and some, some big time players from that roster last year, but I'm wondering if heading into this year, there's that little bit of extra motivation to, show what they can prove at the, at the state level and really solidify this group as, as one of the best golfing units in the state. So um, some great talent returning, as Joe mentioned, uh, some notable uh, graduates from the, from the program as well, but uh, agreed with Joe that big things expected for this team. And traditionally this is a program, a new trip program that year after year has shown us they're, they're one of the elite, not only in the area, but in the state. Another really interesting storyline, I think, for the fall is going to be the sports that competed in the spring and the quick turnaround that we're going to be seeing, obviously, with uh, uh, boys soccer and girls volleyball and football and that kind of stuff. Um, it'll be really interesting to see, A, how quick of a turnaround that's going to be, and B, just the help of athletes and that kind of stuff. I mean, especially for football, I mean, you're doing the quick turnaround, you're playing football games um, in, uh, that, in that quick of a turnaround. Um, what do you guys think about the sports that are uh, making that quick turnaround and just what we're going to see um, this year? And maybe we'll see, um, like, are we going to see a decrease in competition or anything like that just with the quick turnaround that we're going to uh, have this fall? So I haven't had a chance to discuss it with many of the other coaches yet, but I did have a chance to discuss with uh, Nutrier's head football coach, Brian Dahl, that it is going to be a big factor this season. It is something that they're well aware of. And um, I remember him describing the turnaround as just feeling incredibly quick. And um, to that point, it, it was a very quick turnaround. They finished the season near the end of uh, near the end of April. And they're already coming in uh, early June, early July with with practices and beginning preparation for for the next season. So 
it's something that they've never seen before with a turnaround like that and, and such a quick shift in the amount of time that they have to prepare. So um, I think you will see some differences both in just the, the overall quality of play right away just because there's such a, a lessened preparation time. Uh, I think especially in high school football, the first couple of weeks, you sometimes see teams kind of feeling themselves out and figuring who they are and um, just trying to work out all the kinks. And I think we'll see that even heightened a little bit further this year because that uh, that shortened preparation and shortened off season and hopefully injuries stay to uh, a very limited capacity. And hopefully we we don't see many of those. But uh, I fear that maybe because of that, that quick turnaround and just all the all the action these athletes have have underwent in these condensed seasons that have taken place recently that it's creating some some situations that might lead to a, a few more injuries unfortunately but as I said hopefully that's not the case and hopefully um, everyone's able to stay healthy through this but uh, with some of the other sports yeah it's uh, boys soccer the season last year I think they had just played you know four or five games a week for a for almost a, a two month stretch stretch there to try to get in as many games as they possibly could um, given the short amount of time they were working with. So also a pretty quick turnaround there. So, you know, interested to see just how, how that plays uh, a factor in this year, you know, that you also got to think about the, the preparations from the coaching staff, less time to prepare, less time to analyze uh, new additions to the roster and, and some changes that would typically happen over a longer period. So really interested to see how all that plays out um, in this upcoming fall season. Um, I think it'll be, you know, less of an effect on high school than it would be on a pro or college team. Um, you know, especially in, in pro, obviously you have most of the same players coming back. They just played, you know, unless the only thing that gets them out of there is retirement or else they're coming right back. And in, um, in college, you know, a lot of the stars are younger. They're coming back the next year. Still high school. You just, your stars are mostly seniors. Um, you know, most of the time I would say, so they're gone. So you get some fresh legs in there from the underclassmen coming up to play. They're both excited too. So I think that'll even it out a little bit, but I do think as Marty said, there, there will be some sort of letdown, but it's going to be pretty even across the board. Um, I think maybe teams that might've been junior heavy last year, uh, might be at more of a disadvantage because they got a lot of uh, miles on the tires, if you will, and they got to go right back out there pretty quickly. Football, obviously a very um, impact sport. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. It's um, I think they'll figure it out, but it, it does feel like there's a lot of even playing field for everybody. So maybe it'll just be ugly for a little while and, and we'll figure it out. What about the sports that didn't get a chance to compete for um, obviously a state title? You think of uh, golf and cross country and that kind of stuff. And um, so there are the other sports as well. Obviously we know we'll have, or at least the plan is right now um, to have state title championships. I mean, what are you expecting out of those teams, um, especially the cross countries, um, just getting a chance to actually have um, a state meet. I know last year they had a state meet, but it was kind of like a club state meet, but um what are we expecting out of those teams this fall? I think there will be that little added sense of hunger that I alluded to in my, in my previous answer. And not that any of these athletes need the extra motivation or the, the little bit of extra push, but it's, it's something I'm sure that's in the back of their head, especially, um, you know, members of 
athletes who were members of these teams last year who felt that in a normal year, maybe they would have been able to, to go on and win the state title or have a chance to, to make a significant run in the state playoffs. So obviously the, the first team that comes to mind is Loyola football and they graduated a lot of members from that team, but there are still uh, uh, several returners coming back who I'm sure are going to feel that they were uh, robbed in a sense of a chance to, to win the state title. So maybe it's that little bit of extra drive this year to knowing that, uh, you know, hopefully knock on wood that, that the playoffs are going to be back in full force. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see um, just what they're able to do and uh, how they're able to uh, compete moving forward. I'm sure, like you mentioned, there's going to be a lot of motivation uh, moving forward, um, especially at the beginning of the season when teams set their goals about what they want to do. Obviously they're going to want to uh, set that uh, state championship model there, but um, are there any other uh, headlines you guys are looking forward to uh, as we close out this uh, week's episode of the podcast? New Trier girls tennis. I got to give a shout out. I think that's another team that in uh, in a normal year could have competed both at the individual and uh, team level for a state title. Uh, you know, a lot of key returners coming back, but last year that was just a, a loaded roster up and down with tons of depth. So expecting big things coming back from uh, New Trier girls tennis. Yeah. And going to the soccer, we, we had big aspirations for both boys soccer both Loyola and Nutrier uh, we saw really good teams out of those and obviously they played in the spring but they didn't get a postseason so um, like to see if they could do some damage in the postseason this spring um, girls volleyball as well got a short season but they turned into a real nice young program over at Nutrier um, I think Loyola was a good program too but they graduated a lot but we'll see um, gonna be some exciting things of course you know we're excited about um, football um, but we're there's a couple more pods for that one. Yeah. Obviously very excited to uh, get the fall uh, season started. Obviously the daylight is getting shorter. The cicadas are out. So um, obviously that means that we are getting uh, closer and closer to the start of the school year and the start of the uh, fall sports schedule as well. But uh, before we do that, that's everything that we've got for this week's episode of the podcast. Just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available listen to our previous episodes as well. We got some good stuff there. Give us some good interviews. Make sure you spread the word as well and give us a nice little review. So for Joe, Marty, and I, thanks so much for joining us this week, and we will talk to you guys down the road. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Varsity, a product of the record NorthShore.org. Your nonprofit local newsroom. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute with more than 150 fellowship trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.